Well, I'm sure there'll be people joining throughout. So I just want to get started so that we maximize the time together. I'm so excited to be here. I'm Alicia Mall, and I've had the privilege. I think today is my sixth anniversary at the Innocence Project. So what I really want you to get out of today is um, hopefully have questions, be inspired, just how powerful digital can be. I think you know that, but I'm really hoping that you will get um, a sense of the, the strategies and tactics that we're happy to share um, as they would support your organizations as well. And you get to learn the organization and what we do. So a little about me, I um, my first job was on Obama's 2012 re-election campaign and That's I learned so much. If everyone can just mute, that would be amazing. Really strong for pain. This is my sport, but, uh... All right, thank you. So that was my first job. Um, and again, still using the, the lessons I learned on the digital, digital organizing team there today at the Innocence Project. And then I was able to work at msnbc.com. Uh, I never thought I'd be doing social media for an organization, but I learned so much there. Um, and after that, I felt like, you know, I've, I got a sense of how to, how to run a digital program. And I really felt uh, passionate about our, our, this crisis of criminal justice. So that's why I had the idea to focus on criminal justice. And I had a good sense of well, let's, build, let's build a digital program um, and give the Innocence Project the best possible um, you know, digital team we can. All right, so now if, you, if I can just have your attention for one minute, we are going to, I'm gonna show you a video about what the IP is about. Oh wait, and the agenda. So who we are, where we started, and then I wanna hear from you, where are you starting from? What are some of the challenges um, you're seeing so I can help shape the conversation? Where we are today from where we started, how we got there, and then some of the game-changing advocacy our team is working on, and then a sneak peek of what we're working toward, what's next, and then let's talk. But throughout, if you have questions, put them in the chat. I'm doing my best to manage the presentation and the chat, um, but there will be a section where you all can chime in um, in the chat or uh, on video, it's totally fine. All right, so just some context on the next uh, uh, video I'm gonna show you. Someone on my team said, we need a Super Bowl ad. If the Innocence Project had a chance to show who we are to a brand new audience, a, like the Super Bowl, what would our video be? And it took several years, but we're really uh, excited to share with you what we put together. If it's making noise, we can't hear it. Sorry about that. You'll never forget. Think back to your happiest memories. Your wedding day and graduation. The everyday moments you'll never forget. 
Some people miss these moments. The day your baby took their first steps. I was forced to miss watching my son growing up into the man that he's become. You know, God willing, I'm hoping that I'm around for my grandson. The day they were born. It's my you in a place like that, you know, you didn't do nothing wrong. And, and you have to give birth with handcuffs and shackles in your feet. They hardly let me touch him. I was begging the nurse. I told her, I don't know who I'm going to touch him again. For so many, these memories are tainted. The only photo that I had from my childhood was the one being let out of the precinct. I was robbed of a normal life. It's a tragedy that Mr. Burton spent some 20 years in jail for a crime that he did not commit. I offer my apologies on behalf of a system that failed him. One of their happiest moments is the day they were released from prison. 19 years! Yeah! Yeah! Yeah, baby! And reunited with their families. All right, so that's what we do. Our mission is to free people who are wrongly convicted through DNA testing and not just get them out of prison, but we really wanna make sure the injustice doesn't happen again. So we'll talk about our incredible policy team and what we do to prevent wrongful conviction and make sure that our, our clients and those who are not our clients are compensated for the time they spent um, behind bars. All right, let me just check the chat. All right, everything going well. Um, all right, next slide. So some context. Barry Sheck and Peter Neufeld started the organization 30 years ago. Our, our anniversary is actually next year, so just about 30 years. They were public defenders in the Bronx. And at the time, DNA was being used, I believe the first, um, it was first documented in London to get to accuse people of crimes to get them you know to get a guilty verdict and so as public defenders they said maybe it can help us protect our clients defend them and prove their innocence so they had no idea what they know now which is just how many people um, are impacted by wrongful conviction so they started the project at cardozo law school with a team of law students who we continue to work with um, every year People often ask, how many innocent people are in prison? How do we know? We don't. But we know that there's some, you know, there's estimates that say between 2 and 10%. We know we have a population of over 2.3 million, which suggests that anywhere from 46,000 people to 230,000 people 
our opinion is if there is one innocent person in prison, that's enough. The system is broken. We must do better. And then what is the digital team's goal? Our goal is, is to produce those videos that you saw to really show the, tell the stories of our clients. We have a tremendous privilege to be able to work with our clients directly and get those compelling and understand their stories and share it with you all. So ultimately we wanna grow and mobilize our audience to take actions to prevent wrongful convictions. Those actions can be policy reform. They can help stop an execution. Of course, they can donate to us. So that is what we see our, our, our team's goal as. So I wanna ask you all, where are you starting from right now? What are some of the challenges you're facing? Do you have digital goals and vision for your organization? Do you have an engaged audience? If anyone wants to chime in on chat or wants to speak up, I can't see you, but feel free to jump in. By, by digital goals, do you mean like, um, like our digital audience or engagement, or do you mean something like more general? Um, I, I think just basic, like, do you have a vision for your, your digital? Some people aren't there yet. So just on a basic level, do you see how digital can support your current organizational goals? Two little staff and request from rest. Yep. Okay. So you're feeling stretched thin. Yes. That's often happening with digital. How do you integrate digital strategy and broader comms? perception. This is Tanil from Swipe Out Hunger, um, a national nonprofit working to end college student hunger. And something that we're really, we know that there's something there digital, but it's so hard to cut through the noise, especially when you're trying to target mostly Gen Z and a little bit older millennials. And so um, I think we're just kind of like overwhelmed. We know what we want. We have a vision, but we're, it's really hard to see how we get there and how we keep them really engaged. So keeping young folks engaged? Yeah, and cutting through the noise and saturation of just so many other um, campaigns that are happening. Excellent. So are you on TikTok? We are, um, but not as strongly as I'd like to be. Okay, and are you, do you have an SMS list? We are actually looking into starting that, um, specifically with our advocacy work but we haven't yet. Okay, excellent. So tapping into the youth audience is a great thing I will talk about. And I think it's so important um, to, to start thinking about that. So even the fact that you're thinking about it, you're already winning, especially given the subject matter. Um, do people see TikTok as a donor cultivation tool? I don't think yet, but it can really, I'll show you the ways in which it's, it's been a game changer for us. So we will talk about that. SMS, I mean mobile. So people we can text when we need them to take action. That's what I mean by SMS list. And part of what you've just said is people, it's, we're saturated on email. We're saturated on social media. That's why I really want you guys to grow your SMS list because then you have you know, 10,000 people who will take action for you when you need them most. And then you're, you're, you're away from the places where, where, where being, um, it's too much competition. So I really want you to think about growing mobile um, there. 
So great. So let's get started now. Um, thank you for, for, for helping us start the conversation and we will touch upon these points um, and I'll go to the next slide. You get text from the Innocence Project. Thank you, Emily. Well, so we actually just switched our email system yesterday, which is why you've been getting a bunch. We've moved from Phone to Action, which is a great advocacy tool to Strive, um, which I'll recommend. Our, our list has grown so much that we, we have to figure out how to not to lose all our, you know, um, spend all our money in one send. So that's why we've moved to Strive and it'd be a little bit um, more accurate with who our audience is. Um, all right, so let's look at where we've started um, six years ago. So I walked into this organization that had a bulletproof mission and reputation. People on both uh, sides of the aisle agree that innocent people should not be in prison. So that's, I mean, in and of itself, um, an incredible mission. We had 130,000 followers. Our digital revenue was under 1 million. Um, I like to say that we are rich in stories. We have a wealth of wrongful conviction cases, unfortunately, and everyone speak, you know, sits on its own, speaks for itself, and really changes hearts and minds. Um, at this time, there were two digital people. I was on comms and my colleague was on fundraising. And that was the extent of the team. Not only did I feel you know, strongly about building an external digital ecosystem, but I wanted to make sure that internally people knew how digital worked and how they could use it for their legal cases and for their advocacy. Um, on the first day of my job, I broke the website. Um, those of you who use websites, you know that front-end admins should not be breaking a website. So we got to fix that. So let's look at where we are today. I'm just looking at the chat. Would you want to know how to create, how to, would you want how to create the SMS? List? There are lots of great comments in the chat, Alicia. I'm sure that you'll kind of come back to and we can continue to dig into. Thank you. So of course I can't, you know, this is all about the team and I just want you to see the extent of our team and Fiona, my boss is here. And I wanna thank you for um, getting me on this platform to speak today. And um, across here, we have folks in advocacy, content and social media, emails, you know, we've, we've, we've done a lot with in the last year or so. It takes a lot of people to get things going, fundraising and data, web and design and audience development, which takes care of the ads and the analytics behind our growth. It's a mix of staff where you see people's names, they're on our team and they're staff members. And when you see companies like Do Big Things and Blue Wing, they are, um, they are consultants. So um, it does take uh, folks really, you know, that, that's been the approach that I've been able to do. Um, so it takes a lot of people. And I know people are feeling stretched thin with digital. So um, it, it's a lot of work. Uh, we, we've seen our audience grow. Uh, what does that stat say? Is it eight times? I should know this by now, but I can't see it. Um, six times, it's bigger than it was, I think eight times bigger than it was in 2016, where the majority joined us in 2020. What's important to know here, you had the Trump bump of 2016. And then in 2020, those of you in the social justice space probably saw the reaction and the investment after uh, um, after the police, the, 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 the brutal police killings, which we've seen going on for a long time, but obviously people started to pay attention in large numbers. 
the platforms that we're on. I mentioned phone to action. This allows us to target the states and the politicians we want to reach to support a bill. Of course, Instagram, of course, Twitter, Facebook and email. And the new, the really new spaces for us are TikTok and SMS, which we've already spoken about. And I really think um, if you're not already on those platforms, it's important to start building um, an audience there. And I think that'll help you get to a, a younger audience as well. Also, you know, it's not just that people want to give, people can easily give and they're like, they want to do more. They want to say they helped you pass a law that they helped stop an execution. So we've seen a tremendous increase in action. Um, so that's uh, what I'm showing here is, you know, there's a con strong connection between those who want to take action and give and those who give, they want to take action. And so um, lucky that, that, that the Innocence Project is, is doing both litigation and policy work. And so we have a lot of asks other than just sign up, just give. Um, we really want to make sure people know that we can't do the work that we do without all of you. So paid media. Now, I'm sure everyone's thinking, what's going on with Facebook? What's your opinion on Facebook right now? Um, it's been an important place for us because we can be very precise and strategic. We can say we want to build support in Tennessee because we have a client named Purvis Payne who's facing execution. So we can grow the Tennessee audience and similarly for advocacy. So we do, you know, I do feel strongly that to set aside a budget, not just for Facebook, obviously for Instagram too, they're the same company and Google. If you are a nonprofit, you get $10,000 of free ad money for Google ad grants every month. It's something you should take advantage of if you haven't already. We know Google is one of the top search engines. And so it's important that you all show up first um, in search to make sure that people know you're the source, um, that you're the source for the, the subject area and the places you're, um, you're, you work in. Now, because Facebook is problematic, we know this, it could also be helpful for fundraising Facebook ads. You wanna use it to get folks email or phone numbers. So bring them from Facebook closer to you on email, closer to you with giving by giving your SMS to your website. Um, and we've also used it for brand awareness and general policy. Um, so one thing here is when we started, we were just 11% of digital fundraising, we just had 11%. Right now, today in 2021, we're 66%. I know a lot of people, you have, um, I'm encouraging you here to take the leap because the returns, especially in a COVID world where you don't have your gala, uh, you can't do many in-person events. Digital is now the place where people, one of the only places people can give. So that's why we have to make sure our systems work well that we have dynamic uh, donation systems that work well on mobile, that allow people to pay with, um, with um, you know, PayPal or Apple Pay, just to diversify how people are giving to make it easier for them to give to you all. And my colleague, my colleagues in development, specifically Carissa Lacey, has really uh, hit home monthly giving. So not only are we focusing on one-time donors, but we really want people to give us on a sustained basis so we know we have X amount coming in um, every month. And that is another place that you really should be growing in terms of fundraising. Numbers aside, we are a global community of people who want justice for our clients. I'm not going to play the video because videos aren't 
as you know, the experience isn't so great. But here we have three examples of young folks who went on TikTok to advocate for a client for this pain. The person I said is facing execution in Tennessee. We didn't have a presence on TikTok. This was them seeing the content through other social media and, and taking it upon themselves. And this was a game changer for us. Purvis Pay now has nearly a million supporters um, on our petition pages that I really wanna say came from these young folks making videos on this viral platform. Um, so definitely uh, get out there. And it's really awesome that we weren't there, they came to us and then we went to them and created a TikTok. going to be some noise for a second. Hold on. So now let's look at how we've gotten to where we are. So there's a few things here. I don't want to go through every moment, but here are some themes. IP has been brilliant about working with the media since the 90s. So, um, you know, you got to have that media component on top of, a co of course, digital. And he, the most compelling moments for us I've seen are um, executions, unfortunately. So going back to Troy Davis was a big, um, was a cataclysmic moment uh, for, for people coming to the Innocence Project. Even though we did not represent him, we, of course, spoke out um, to stop the execution when Innocence um, was in question. Netflix has been a game changer. Making a Murderer was a mass um, media moment that brought in tons of new folks for us when they see us and then our own Netflix show. So certainly it's not just about, you know, obviously it's tough to have a Netflix series, but are you ready for, are you ready to enrich the experience and to get that spike? In 2016, we weren't ready for that. We weren't ready to acknowledge the story. It's a it's complicated, but the point is, we had all this incredible traffic that we weren't actively, um, you know, increasing the the user experience. And by the time 2019 came around, we were telling the when they the exonerated five story, we were ready. Um, in 2020, uh, we saw you know incredible support. Unfortunately, because of the murder of George Floyd. Um, and when Brandon Bernard was executed, folks were so disillusioned, but their energy went to our client, Purvis Payne. So here we see media, um, we see uh, death penalty as, as, as really compelling to our audience and where folks really will stop what they're doing to, to help us out. And then we're seeing the whole picture. We wanna get folks in through ads, or live events, engage them with these rich stories of our clients, um, do a lot of, you know, get bring them in to learn what's our policy strategy, what, what are the states we're going out next, what is qualified immunity? And then we want those Facebook likes to become email subscribers, those email subscribers to become donors, and really get those one-time donors to support us, even if it's $5 every month. A little too much there, but I think technology is super important to invest in. You want your systems to work. You want to know who's taking what action. You want to know what people want to talk about um, based on the analytics. Is it police accountability? Is it, um, you know, prosecutorial accountability? You want to know what makes your audience tick. And real quick here, I just want to talk about our 
advocacy strategy. So the policy team has 20 campaigns a year. And just going back to how we see it from the digital side, we want to introduce the issue. So we start with that big Super Bowl ad, right? No one knows who we are, the innocents. No one knows who we are. Okay, wrongful conviction exists. What can I do about it? Well, guess what? In 20 or so states, they don't compensate people for the time they spent behind bars. So then we introduce the lack of compensation. And then we say, hey, we have five states we're working on and we need your help if you live in Kansas to call your lawmaker and help them pass this groundbreaking compensation law. So that's sort of the flow of how we get people in. And really it's the phone calls that make a difference, which is why I feel strongly about phone to action with one click you put in your zip code and you're connected to your senator um, in your state and asking them, hey, you know, this story was really compelling. We really need to pay those who spent time behind bars. So that is that. Um, happy to share slides. And just checking to see how everyone is doing. Technology tracks success across systems and platforms. Yeah, Alicia, there are a couple of questions there that I think there were a number of questions about Google ads and whether uh, we are supplementing with paid ads on top of grants. Um, and also that one about, I think this is a really interesting question about speaking to the technology that allows the tracking of success across systems and platforms. Excellent. So we do um, invest in ads in Google. So there's Google ad grants, the free nonprofit money, then there's just Google ads and we do both. Um, yes, they take a lot of management, um, but it is, you're going to get, you know, probably more specific. There's more flexibility when you're not through the ad grant program, but I think you should start somewhere. Um, and then in terms of um, knowing where the source and the, where the, the clicks are happening, that is something that you need to, um, you know, track. You can do in both Google Analytics and with your donation form to see at what point people are giving. So that's super important to understanding um, the activity. We use Fundraise, F-U-N, Raise. They, we used to be on Classy. They're a newer platform. And I think it's great when you have a newer startup because they're willing to customize things for you. And I think we're very happy with them because they allow Apple Pay. So now we're getting folks who just wanna pay through Apple Pay. Um, so that's added a whole a lot of new donors. All right, so stop execution. This is really where um, I, I, I'm speaking to you not just as a digital person, but as someone who we need your help um, for our, our clients facing death row, facing the death penalty. So a little background on just how um, racist uh, executions are. Here on my left, you can see the places where vigilante style lynchings happened between 1883 and 1940. Fast forward to today, executions, state sanctioned executions are happening in the same, these same places that have not progressed in their politics or their views of mostly black men. This is from our friends at the Death Penalty Information Center, which is an incredible hub of, of everything you need to know about um, the death penalty you can find there. Uh, so 
one of the biggest factors in what will send someone to death row is if the victim is white. There is black people and white people are killed at the same, you know, with the same frequency. However, when the victim is white, the person responsible is seven times more likely um, to get the the, the death penalty. Um, so then, then if the victim is black. So, I mean, what is more compelling than that? Um, and as we said, if one innocent person is facing execution, we have to come down with the system and black men in particular um, are, are disproportionately represented. A couple, um, so Mobile has played a big role for us here in the uh, campaign for Rodney Reed, who's in Texas. Back to the phone to action thing, we had around 40 to 60,000 people sign up in the state itself, right? Because we know that Governor Abbott doesn't care if I'm here in New York, he wants to hear from someone in, you know, in the state of Texas. It really was a big driver in getting those phone calls to Governor Abbott and Texas Board of Pardons and Paroles. Rodney is facing execution despite he hasn't had the chance to have DNA testing. Um, his case is, you know, one to look into. I don't want to get into everything, but um, in the in in 2019, based on all the activity, based on a great media campaign, grace, based on great litigation, uh, the court gave him an indefinite stay of execution. Um, and just a couple months ago, uh, our our legal team went down there for a hearing. So these are things where really people's voices can have a role. You can see it now in the case for Julius Jones as well. And if we have the tools to set it up, you know, really it can be, um, it, it's an important uh, part of our advocacy and one that we know our audience feels strongly about. Gonna skip this video, but this is a video from Purvis Payne himself, who's in, a, um, in Tennessee facing execution as well even though he has an intellectual disability and even though he maintained innocence. And I, for those of you who, who are aware, we lost Ernest Johnson, who also in, in Missouri last night, who also has an intellectual disability, um, which is supposed to be unconstitutional. We've had to go back and change the law in Tennessee to retroactively um, stop, to recognize Purvis Payne's intellectual disabilities. Um, so he made, uh, Purvis maintains his innocence. He lives with an intellectual disability, so it should be unconstitutional to execute him. Um, he has no track record. They, they called him this, you know, hypersexual man with, um, who was, you know, on drugs. They never tested him for drugs. He never had a, a, a background of violence. Usually people have background, you know, of violence. They don't all of a sudden, um, behave this way. Purvis was given a temporary reprieve um, from COVID. As you know, COVID has slowed down our systems tremendously, and in this case, in our favor. And he has a hearing in December of 2021. These TikTok videos have, have really, really helped bring attention to Purvis and had us focus on this younger generation. So it will be a call to action at the end to have you guys get involved in his campaign because we really do need everyone's help and word of mouth. It takes so much work. It's so easy to wrongly convict someone and it's so hard to free our clients and even harder to get them off death row.
Alicia, there's a question uh, about um, interacting with TikTok influencers in Tennessee, how, how you did that. So we weren't on TikTok. We, we just shared the content on our normal channels at the time. I can't say um, the, the story caught on um, and I don't even know if necessarily they're from Tennessee, but these TikTok videos get, can, there's an algorithm that just, if, if they get a lot of views within the first five minutes, they go crazy. We have cultivated them now since um, but we weren't thinking of what young folks under 25 before this we can help us until we saw, you know, we had the tracking, we saw the Google Analytics, and we saw that, you know, 20% of the traffic to the petition was a young lady's Instagram that linked to the post or that was also on TikTok. So um, reach out to them. We've reached out to them via creating our own TikTok. It's easier to find them on Instagram. It's hard to, to track people down on TikTok if they don't follow you. So see if it's easier to DM them from your personal account on Instagram um, and just Google their names or their emails probably out there. SMS, um, Strive, Strive Digital is what I'd recommend. So quickly, let's jump into what are, are what a couple of things that um, we haven't launched yet, but I wanted to share with you. Our youth page, okay, we've talked about we need the youth. We, you know, we're nothing without the youth. We got to start hiring young people, getting them involved. I no longer know the tricks of social media, like hire an 18-year-old, hire a recent graduate to run your, your TikTok. Um, they know the language, they know how to do it, and it, it keeps the livelihood of your organization going. It can't just be, you know, led by, by um, older folks. We need the, the new generation to, to get the passion for the work and jump on and they're going to change the game. So we're launching a youth against wrongful convictions uh, movement with our colleagues in policy and a young um, uh, college student named Nicholas who came with wanting to do more and wanting to help us grow um, among his, his college network. And then, you know, we're still in Latino Heritage Month. Um, it's not launched yet, but we really feel strongly about um, making our content accessible to um, Spanish speakers. We hear a lot from the folks who pick up the phone calls in the office that they're always looking for. Necesito, you know, ayuda en español. I need, I need help, and I'm, I'm, um, I'm a Spanish speaker. So we want to make, and we have, you know, several clients who are also um, immigrants or Latin America. Um, Latino America. And so it's really important. And we know the growth of, of Latino community in the US that we make our content accessible to them and that we're able to easily help those who are speaking Spanish. So that is something that we want to get out. Um, it's super important for reaching new audiences. So my call to you is to follow us on um, Innocence Project on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, our new TikTok channel. If you wanna help us with Purvis pain, right now you can text free Purvis to that number. If you feel strongly about Purvis, please share the content and think about who you might know in Tennessee. We, are, we do still need calls to the governor. He does not have an execution date, but they could give him one at any time. Um, and hopefully in December, you know, things will go right for him. 
please reach out to me. My email is amol at innocenceproject.org. I have um, a three-page sheet on how to build a digital ecosystem that I'd love to share with you guys. Um, don't be a stranger. You know, we, we're here to help each other. Um, I love talking about this and I love, I would love to help you all out. So um, that's what I got. And now we can talk. Alicia, there were a I couple. I uh, Go on. I was going to say there were a couple of comments um, in the chat again that uh, might be worth um, following up on too. Um, but I will just say I, you know, I joined the Innocence Project almost exactly one year ago uh, today. And uh, working with this digital team and uh, Alicia, who has built this digital team, has really been eye-opening in so many ways. I came from the Ford Foundation. So I came from a foundation that was used to funding organizations and to actually see the work that is going on to both fundraise and to build advocacy, to build audience in this way, to build folks who, you know, you can send a text to and they will be on it. And following up with legislators and leaning into your campaigns has really been um, quite extraordinary. So I really wanted us to be able to share some of the things that we have learned in this for organizations who, you know, are grappling with with digital and how to use it in ways that really has impact and to use it in ways that also is cost effective for folks, because we all know that you can throw an extraordinary amount of money at things, but being able to do it in a really efficient way, um, I, I think is important and it can be game changing for organizations. So, you know, please make the, make the most of uh, uh, Alicia and her team's knowledge and expertise here and throw any questions that you might have uh, her way. I see a question about balancing institutional marketing, marketing and advocacy comms. I think that's a great question. I think what, what used to be, you know, teams working like this, we're now one. So we, um, you know, we work across departments to make sure we're balancing our donation asks with our advocacy. It's what's coming out through the same channels. We're creating the same calendars um, and we're sensitive to it. And, and um, not only are we asking for money for the organization, we really pivoted to give our clients direct funds, especially when they come out of prison and um, they don't have, I mean, you, you know, you walk out of prison with, with a, a, a bag um, and you've been there for 20 or 30 years you don't have a license, you don't have the most basic things. So we do Amazon wish lists as well. Um, so we really have to think about what the experience is. If I've been asked to donate today, um, perhaps tomorrow we should focus on what the policy ask is. We're very sensitive. We also don't ask for money upon exoneration unless it's to our client. Um, and we're very conscious of that. And that's just been the incredible team um, that I'm surrounded by that is thinking about um, the integrity and, and the dignity of our of the, the team and our clients, of course, um, and never to exploit that. Although, you know, you do have to, to, to raise money. So calendars are important. Thinking six months um, ahead, we, we, we should be having quarterly digital, digital meetings to report back on what we've learned the last six months and what do we have coming up 
in six months to a year. And in that way, you can see, okay, we're focusing on Rodney Reed um, for the month of October, which means we really, that'll prepare us for end of year um, Giving Tuesday. Uh, Julie, what's your question? And thank you. Sure, no, thank you, um, both of you for everything that you're doing. Um, it's incredible work. Um, I, I just did a little bit of stalking and I see that you guys are very active on Twitter, active on Instagram. Um, we're talking about TikTok. Uh, I see you guys have like 29,000 followers on LinkedIn. How do you balance content for all of those channels and, and how large is, large is your team that's covering those on top of your other just, I'm sure behind the scenes communications with reporters and media, um, but that's my question. Yeah, so Danny Selby um, on our team is managing Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, LinkedIn goes a little bit uh, untouched. I think I, I post there when I remember to, but the focus really is um, Twitter, Instagram. I mean, we treat our Instagram like the holy grail, everything we put out there. Mm. Um, and uh, TikTok is a newer platform that she's been that she's been working on, but it's really one person. And certainly we have um, design, you know, Kathleen who helps produce some of the graphics and we work with video people on different projects, but we don't have a consistent video presence, which I really want to do more with. So um, it's, it's really one person um, making it all come together. And on top of that, she's a, she's a brilliant um, writer and doing a lot of the, the framing of, of, our, of our articles on the website. Um, Alicia, there are a couple of questions that Jill has just put into the chat. Um, one was about creating accessible Spanish content. Um, do we have someone in-house doing that? Um, I think we did speak to the systems piece, but the other piece that I think is really um, important is how do you start this if you are a team of one? You know, what, what do you lean into? What's the most important thing to do if you're a team of one and trying to get digital off the ground? Yeah, great question. So Spanish, um, I'm a Spanish speaker. I'm a native Spanish speaker. Don't hire me, I'm not that good. Um, we have Isabel on our team is a native and brilliant Spanish speaker. However, just because I speak English doesn't mean you want to hire me as a writer. So you do need to hire people who are experts in translations because it's just so many different um, versions and dialects of Spanish. And so right now we're doing it amongst ourselves and we have a volunteer who um, will review. But I, I do think I have someone in line to, to, per, to do it professionally. So that's something that um, I have a resource on if you need. Um, and obviously not pulling people out from their day jobs to do it, but we're doing it among ourselves right now um, when we need to, but we want to we wanna hire someone who does it professionally. In terms of one-person teams, um, I really wasn't a one-person team when I started. I was managing um, all of the social accounts and email. Email is a beast. Um, and so what I think I given the news background that I came from, I, I started treating IP like news. And if we were doing one post on Twitter a day, I ramped it up to three, I increase um, production. Um, if I like to tell, my advice to people is, um, let's say you're in the animal rights world, 
you want to be the, the the source of information for all things animal rights. So you want to be you want to be the the New York Times and all these. You want to be the place that people go to learn about animal rights in Tennessee if that's the state you're in. So treat your work like news hub. Um, start by sharing articles and then really build your own. What are the evergreen pieces that you own that people, you know, what are the top animal rights books we should own? Um, start producing your own content. Um, do what you can and build out piece by piece. And your systems have to be right. But right now you can start a social media channel. You don't need um, email. You don't need web. That's just where you're going to get the returns from once you build in the ecosystem. So how do you manage the different platforms? I tend to say prioritize Facebook and Instagram because we see better returns there. Twitter is really news. You're not getting a lot of clicks, um, but the engagement is highest on SMS, which is why I'm pushing SMS. Um, someone asked earlier, well, people aren't engaging. Why are they gonna engage on SMS? Well, you gotta start building that. And, and, and people, you I mean, for the most part, um, you have, uh, you're going to get the most opens there. And if people are giving, you're going to give you their cell phone numbers, they trust the content they're going to get. Um, so it's worth to take a risk there. Um, in terms of telling authentic stories, the stories come from our clients. They review, um, their content, their attorneys review their content, Whatever they're comfortable sharing, we share what they're not. Anything that can jeopardize, we're you know obviously a law firm first, so we do do not, we don't do anything to jeopardize our clients. For the most part, you know we we used to never talk about our clients until they were exonerated. Now we've really opened up and 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 work collaboratively collaboratively with the legal team to show that we can help um, support clients getting out when there's a fight. Um, and in that case, we work very closely with them. You know, I think um, nothing's, your stories are gonna come out best when you when you have personal connections with your clients, when you know them, when you know their their, their parents, their, their children, their siblings. So it's really important to do the work and find out what are their likes? What are their likes? What are their ambitions? Are they parents? You know, what music they like? You gotta connect. The more you connect, the better that story is gonna be. What about that question about messaging across platforms and different audiences as well? I, I think I know what my answer to that would be, but I'm interested in yours, Alicia. See if we're on the same page or not. Yeah, I think there's an opportunity to have a different voice on different platforms. Um, I think Twitter tends to be more personality driven. We have never done that where we just sort of stick to same tone, obviously shorter. Um, and Instagram is a little bit more youthful. Facebook, you know, it's an older demographic. So do what you can. I mean, you know, you're going to tweak it based on the limit um, and see how people respond. You have to know who your audience is on the different platforms. But if you're a one person team, you know, you're just cranking stuff out there. Um, see what performs better on, on different platforms. Look at your analytics. All right, do we have to wrap up or do we have time for one more? One more question and folks, just so you know, um, we know we start a little bit late. You can just pop over the next keynote starts at two, but if we can get one more question in in the next one or two minutes, go for it.
There's a question there from Natasha about how you balance being planful and strategic um, and also reactive. And I'm just going to step in there right now and say, you know, I think that that <laughs> is always a challenge. You know, how do you carve out the time to really think long term and to really create that strategy? And, and we really try to be at the table, you know, referring back to United We Dream. We try to make sure that comms is at the table right from the get-go when, you know, things are being spoken uh, about. But Alicia, what's your response to that one? Yes, great question. So I'm going to stress that long-term planning. If you have a, a sense of what's happening in December, then you have the long, you, you do the campaigns, right? So try to be campaign focused not just end of year and giving Tuesday, but what are the five campaigns we need to, to nail all year round? Once you have those campaigns in place, you're, you can, you can, that keeps going and then you, then you can react to breaking news. It's not just about analytics, but one of my slides that I didn't get into is listening to your audience. So if everyone's tweeting about, you know, um, Facebook being down, then obviously all the jokes are gonna be on Twitter. So it is, it does take um, a lot of listening and learning to your audience in addition to your, your planned out content. Um, but try to have stuff in advance and then you can be reactive to the breaking news, which will obviously take over your day or your week. Thank you all so much, Fiona. Thank you for getting me out here and for joining. Um, don't be strangers. I wanna learn more about you and how we can help you in the future and um, have a great uh, comnet. Sad to leave. Bye.